Isaiah chapter 46, if you have your Bibles. Isaiah 46. We, uh, of course, in the United States will celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow and, and, uh, you know, growing up on Cape Cod where my wife and I grew up, we, you know, had the Pilgrim Plantation and we did school trips there and such. Uh, I think on a date. Uh, I know we were married when we went one time to Pilgrim Plantation in Plymouth for the day. And, and Thanksgiving has become a national holiday. It was declared by President George Washington and uh, kind of lost some favor. And then during the Revolutionary War, President Abraham Lincoln brought it back. And it's been established in some way since then. The story behind that, though, is these 50 individuals. Now, if you understand, the Mayflower came over, had more than a 100. They lost some on the way over. They perished. They landed, they thought they were going to Virginia, and they ended up in what today is Massachusetts, not knowing where they exactly were, but they knew the fishing was good. They knew that Cape Cod Bay would protect them from storms and different things. So they established there. But that first winter was very, very harsh in 1620. And about half of the people in the village died from different diseases, exposure, malnutrition, and such. There's all sorts of divine providence. A man named, uh, I think his name was uh, Sasqua or something like that, who had been captured and enslaved and had gone to England and learned English and got his freedom and come back to the Wampanoag tribe and was able to translate and help the settlers get established. 1621, they had their first harvest and they celebrated that harvest. And Thanksgiving then was a, it was not just one day, it was actually a number of days that they began to have that time of celebration. What they were thanking God for was what he had done and what he was going to do. What he had done and what he was going to do. I want to consider thanksgiving for the past and the future. Isaiah 46, beginning in verse 9, it says, Remember the things that I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happen, even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass for whatever I wish. Now this is God speaking. I am, remember me, I'm the Lord, I'm God. And so here, He talks about the past. He talks about the future. So let's think about the past, because 
what God has done in our lives, church, world, however you want to phrase this and think about it, it is good to remember what God does. Faulty memories are a major problem. And this becomes, with people, they begin to forget. They have memory problems as far as remembering where they came from, what God has done, all, you know, and they, and memories change. Fascinating to meet people who, uh, you know, experienced events and how that changes in our minds after a while. You know, I was listening to the news and there's a man who's interviewed and if you were listening to the news, you might have heard him and he was talking about just this car that on the rainbow bridge and all that and he said, I could play it fast and slow in my mind. But some of the details he was very foggy on. And was it an SUV or I don't know, I just saw some fly and I know it happened so fast. But we can forget. This is what happened to the children of Israel. Numbers chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And the cucumbers, melons and leeks, onions and garlics, we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Now what's very interesting about that is that, one, it wasn't free. They were enslaved. They had hard taskmasters. They forgot about the whips. They forgot about the bricks that they were making. They forgot about the straw they were gathering. They forgot about the Egyptians killing off the firstborn males. They forgot all about it. They're now just their faulty memories because they haven't rehearsed it. Now they've lost uh, something about that, uh, and now they're, they're not remembering the proper story. Picked up my guitar recently and just started playing some Christmas songs. I haven't played them in, oh, I don't know, 10 months, 11 months. And how, because I haven't rehearsed it, my memory's faulty. Now I've got to relearn it and rethink it and how did it play and the muscle memory is gone. That can happen with us with God. Romans one twenty one. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. Then they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became darkened and confused. They wouldn't retain God, but there, there's no thankfulness. Memory and thankfulness are connected when it comes to God. There's a group called the Levada Center in Russia. And they survey people. They do surveys much like the Pew Group here in the United States. And they found that over 50%, over 50% of Russians regret the breakup of the Soviet Union. Only in 2012 did that number dip below 50%. Every other year, their survey is over 50% of Russians. Now there was prestige that was lost and such, but what they don't remember, and, and, and remember, I lived in Lithuania. They don't remember the long lines for food. 
They don't remember. As one Lithuanian said to me, and, and this was a little bit twisted because of the man who said it, but understand this. He said, in Soviet times, we had money and nothing in the stores. Now, there's lots of things in the stores, and we don't have money. But the thought of the long bread lines and the queues, uh, one of the women in the church told me she used to just get in line. She'd see a line, she'd just get in it. She didn't know what it was for. But she figured, you know what, I don't want to lose out. You know, FOMO kicks in and all this. So, you know, just get in line. And they get in line and they stand there and, and they're hoping that at the end of the line that'll be bread or milk or fish or meat or something. But now 50% have forgotten that. See, when this happens to a Christian, it's very tragic. Second Peter tells us, Verse chapter 1, verse 9, but those who fail to develop this in this way, and he's talking about all sorts of Christian character traits, they're short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. And he talks about faith, add to your faith, virtue, add to your virtue, self-control, add to, you know, self-control, brotherly love, and da-da-da, and goes on. They forget. There's a danger there. An ungrateful heart, one man wrote these words, an ungrateful heart loves to complain and always sees what's wrong in the world. An ungrateful heart cynically makes nothing out of something. Gratitude, on the other hand, sees what is good and right in the world and usually tends to find something meaningful in nothing. How we think, especially when it comes to thinking about God. Our text says, remember the past. Remember. Now, this is not to say that we are ignorant of difficulty, of problems, of saying, well, you know, it's all been rosy and great. We've had no problems. It's absolutely been happy, happy, happy. We're just all happy all the time. It's not the reality of life but to remember what God has done. You know, we're told to remember. This is a willful decision. Jesus said to his disciples, he took some bread, Luke 21, 19, and gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body in which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, I've preached this a long time. I've said this before. I'll probably say it again. You don't usually come to church and go, oh, that's right, it's about Jesus. I wasn't thinking that, especially on Easter when this scripture is read a lot, right? Usually we pretty much know that was the case, right? So what is he saying? He's saying that we need to rehearse this and keep it in our forefront, because backsliders, people who begin to, they don't remember. They begin to forget what God has done. See, I don't think the apostles were ever going to forget Christ. I don't think any one of them. They all ended up, you know, going long distances away. Some of them, most of them gave their lives for Christ. I mean, I don't think they ever forgot 
Why would he say rehearse it? Something about rehearsing, remembering. You know, when I I was, even before I was saved, you know, one of the things I had to do was learn words in bands and things. And the way you got them is you rehearsed them. You said them over and over and over. And I'd be in high school walking between classes, reciting lyrics to songs and things like that. Thanksgiving is a time that the pilgrims were taking to remember. We're going to remember what God has done and who He is. And thanking Him for what He's done and who He is. There probably wasn't one person on that Thanksgiving that had not lost a loved one in this crazy adventure to sail across the Atlantic Ocean. But they gave thanks because God was at work. Remembering the past helps us know that God, who God is. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God, for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's Hudson Taylor, who lost his wife in China two weeks after she had, uh, Maria had given birth. He could see her strength waning, He said, you're dying. She said, do you think so? She said, what makes you think that? He said, because I can see your strength going away. You're only weary. He wrote, she would pass away after that conversation just a couple of days later. Twelve and a half years they were married. He wrote these words, I cannot describe to you my feelings. I do not understand them myself. I feel like a person stunned with a blow or recovering from a faint, yet partly conscious. My father has ordered it, so I know it is, it must be, the best. And I thank him for ordering it so. I feel utterly crushed, and often my heart is nigh to breaking. But with all I have, with all I had almost said, I never knew what peace and happiness was before. So much I enjoy in this very sorrow. It's powerful words. Because he understands remembering what God is and what he's done. And thank God, there's not a delusion of, hey, it's always good. It's always, you know, hey, I'm a Christian. I have no problems. But to know that God is in control. I am remember. Taking time to remember. What God has done is well worth it. 
Then he begins to speak of the future. Verse 10, only I tell you the future events, uh, future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I will do whatever I wish. God has your future. If I ask people what they worry about the most, it tends to be the future. What's going to happen? Billy Graham said, God is more interested in your future and your relationships than you are. I believe that. Trusting God with our future. This could mean giving him your burdens. Because many of the burdens that we carry are worrying about the future. How's things going to work out? How's this all going to happen? What's going to happen here? We can go through all of that. And every one of us does two different levels. There are far times of far more seriousness to that. I understand that. When your tires flat and you've got to get to work and you think, how is my future going to work? That's a lot different than an IRS audit or, you know, a serious medical problem. But your future, can you trust God with your future? Psalms 55, 22, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. This is where Peter gets the famous quote, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you in 1 Peter 1, 5. It is that verse he's referring to. Give the Lord your burdens. He will take care of you. However it's going to work. That's the action of faith. Faith says, God, you have my best intentions. You have the perfect plan for my life. Too many try to just take it back. Hebrews 11, 4 and 5, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel offered, uh, Abel's uh, offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gift. Although Abel being long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. By faith, Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying, for he disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. The future. You know, as we cross New Year's, people will make resolutions and make plans, and that's all coming up so shortly. You know, a couple of holidays we get through and then all of a sudden we're at New Year's and it's like, okay, 2024 starts. But isn't it amazing that the worries that we had back at New Year's of 2023 or 2022 or even COVID, some don't even exist anymore. And we thought they were going to dominate our future. My wife and I are coming up on 40 years out of high school. And so we were talking about, do we really want to go to a 40? And the answer is really no. But anyway, the thought there in the 
understanding of high school is kids worry about, oh, this will ruin my life. They will say something. That will ru- you know how many people I see from the people I graduated in, in high school? Like zero. Do you know how many I know where they are? Probably six. These people I was so worried about. Trust God with your future. This can be seen in your actions. This can be seen in your prayers. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Our text tells us that God sees the future. Could you imagine these 50 people? Just imagine this. They've struggled. They've buried loved ones. They've fought. They've had this now feast God has provided. They have peace with the Wampanoags. They're, you know, they're established. And could you imagine if you could somehow resurrect them and show them the United States today? They wouldn't believe it. You know, if you could get them out of the first thing they'd hear is the whoosh, whoosh of cars. What's that? Oh, that's Route 3. Route what? Route 3, yeah, it's the way it gets you from Cape to Boston. What? What's Boston? <laughs> right? They wouldn't have a clue, but they could see. Could you imagine? They had no, but God did. God knew what he was going to do with the United States of America. Purposed it to be the nation that has planted more missionaries than any other. God had a plan. They knew the future that God was going to do. They didn't understand everything. God doesn't show us everything. But we can have the confidence that he's able and he's at work. God really wants to help us. He doesn't promise to make you rich and happy and everything to work out, but he does show that he has a plan for your life and for others. Philippians 1.6, I am certain that God, who began a good work in you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Right up until the rapture, I can promise you that God will help us. Now, if we thank God for the past, salvation, forgiveness of sins, blessings, relationships, whatever, and we thank God for, He's got the future. Those things we worry about, I know they're real, and I'm not saying they're not, but we can rest that there's a God in heaven that does know, and He's going to help us. That means we need to live in the moment. Cultivating an attitude of gratitude has been linked to better health, sounder sleep, less anxiety and depression, higher long-term satisfaction with life. I could go through medical that people who have gratitude, even just three statements a day, have less issues with their physical heart. 
I mean, on and on and on it goes. So one man said, it's amazing how it took science many years and lots of money to come up with the conclusions that the Bible told us thousands of years ago. So living in the moment with gratitude. Imagine you fell off a boat. You're on a, you took a cruise and you fell off the boat. And someone saw you fall off the boat, so they threw you one of those round life preserver things. You were able to get over to it, swim on it, hang on it. Then finally they grabbed you up out of the water. Got you on the boat, back on the ship, dry clothes. Would you think it would be insane if the people go, if somebody who, if you walked in and went, you know what, did you see me grab that life preserver? Could you just tell the flexing of life? Man, I grabbed that with authority. You go, this person's nuts. Or as the English would say, they're daft. Right? Well, God saved us. Why are we trying to... And I know that ain't much, but, you know, bear with me. Right? Why are we trying to say, well, look what we did. God's done it. Ephesians 5.20 Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord. Jesus Christ, salvation, forgiveness, the moment, the blessings of the moment. For others, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, I urge you, first of all, pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, that we can live peacefully and quietly, marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases our God and Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. There's John Kennedy who said, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. Thankfulness is too often just words and not actions lost. You know, some people... Words are even lost in them, but the thought of the day is, wor- is you know, words over substance. As long as they say something, they may- must, it must be okay. But you know what? Your, I mean, your marriage needs action, not just words. Not just, hey baby, I love you. But action. Put it in action. And then, of course, tomorrow is all about giving thanks to God. Charles Dickens said, reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has many, and not upon your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. Psalms 106, verses 1 through 3, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithfulness His faithful love endures forever. Who can list the glorious miracles of the Lord? Who can ever praise Him enough? 
There is joy for those who deal justly with others and who always do what is right. The setting of Thanksgiving is a time to give blessing. They borrowed this. It wasn't new. It wasn't like they invented Thanksgiving or feasts. The celebration of the harvest of both practices long predate the European settlers of North America. The Puritans observed a day of fasting and prayer for God's favor, as well as a day of thanksgiving, uh, of thanking God for the bountiful harvest, victory, and the joyous occasion. These thanksgivings were celebrated throughout church services, or through, rather, church services and feasting. Acknowledge God and enjoy the blessing. That's what tomorrow needs to be for you and I. What has God done for you? How far has He taken you? Blessings and favor and relationship and on and on and on we could go. The future, even if it doesn't like have this bright shining light that this is all going to work out just perfect, you can know that God is still going to help us in every way. That is worthy of living in the moment to give Him thanks. That's what we should do, not only tomorrow, but as a regular part of our Christian life. I want to read you our text, but in the Bible in basic English. It says, let the things which are, uh, let the things that are past come to your memory. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none, there is no one like me. Making clear from the first what I, uh, what is to come and from the past the things which have not so far come about saying my purpose is fixed. I will do all my pleasure that would remember God tomorrow somewhere between the, you know, the turkey and the stuffing. Somewhere between the family, the friends. Take time and thank God for all that He's done and all that He's going to do. That's living in the moment. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You're here this evening. Maybe you're not right with God. A mark of people who aren't right with God is they're not thankful. They lose their thankfulness towards God. They'll change God into being something He's not. That's what Romans says. Just like the Egyptians, just like the children of Israel, oh, Egypt was good, oh, we could go back, we don't have to. And they forget. Maybe you've forgotten and you thought, oh, Egypt, which is a picture of the world, was all going to be... It's all going to be great and glorious. And oh, we're all, we're going to feast all day long. And it was going to just be, you know, and you forgot the bondage and the slavery. Uh, endless, tireless labor that sin brings. Sin is exhausting. Hey, you got to keep this lie up over 
here, and you got to you got to remember who you lied to about this, and you got to remember who knows this about you and who knows that about. It's exhausting. Serving God is a much much easier yoke. If you're here this evening, you're not right with God, or you're backslidden, you need prayer. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, "Would you pray for me? I need to get my heart right with Jesus. I'm not right with." Jesus to help me. Very quickly, slip it up, put it right back down. Pray for me. Changing the call then to Christians. Tomorrow is a great day to reflect what God has done and what God is going to do. And it may not be perfect. Life's not going to be perfect every every year. It's not going to just get better every year there's you know sometimes there's setbacks delays whatever but you know what god is still in control and as i look back at some of the setbacks and delays and all of that it's like you know what i was frustrated but god knew exactly what he was doing and god can use even bad news he can use it if we'll remain thankful he can help us let's all stay These altars are open. Talk to God if you must. We're going to sing this song.